Congratulations, you've made it to the See It To Be It podcast, formerly On The Spot, where we sit down with some of the most inspiring female leaders and role models. This week, I'm sitting down with Melissa Bauman and April Gillum. It's an inspiring conversation today and every Thursday. So be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of See It To Be It, available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success through the stories and actionable advice through some incredible, relatable role models. And today we have two incredible women with us who are amazing role models and doing great things. We have Melissa Bauman and April Gillum, and they are two women who are making sure that kids have the best medical care in Texas. So welcome to the show. Really excited to have you both. Thank you so much. Glad to have you. I really like to go just kind of jump back and to think, you know, our paths are never straight, right? They're always sort of this windy path. And I think it's just really helpful for, you know, others to see the path that you're on and how you got to where you are today. So I'd just like each of you to share your story. What was your big dream when you were growing up? What'd you think you would be doing? Melissa, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. For me, I actually always knew that I wanted to be in healthcare, which is funny because I am not medically minded whatsoever. (laughs) That's not my forte. I don't have the mind of a physician, but I'm very business oriented. And I knew that I wanted to contribute to the healthcare industry in some way. And I went into college with that thought, graduated with that thought, and ultimately ended up finding a few different companies that I worked for. But now where I am today, which is urgent care for kids. And I've been here for five and a half years and love it. And I'm on the telemedicine side of things, which is really interesting because you're able to kind of contribute to a rapidly growing and shifting industry where you can really kind of make a difference. And that's been really amazing. So to answer your question, yeah, it's oddly, I'm one of the probably few people who starts out with one thing in mind and ends up there. That's awesome. I talked to one woman, I don't know, a few months ago and she was a writer and she's like, when I was, you know, two and three years old, my mom couldn't figure out what I was doing. I was folding these pieces of paper in half. She was like creating books and she's a writer now and writes books. I mean, it just is so funny. So, but you don't hear about those past, but that's really incredible, especially, you know, thinking about when you think about medicine immediately, especially when you're young, you want to be a doctor, right? You have a calling Mm -hmm. for that. Not very many people think about the business side of medicine or college, even during college, probably that's more of a stretch. So that's super interesting. And you probably knew that you'd be on the cutting edge of, you know, some pretty incredible things. So good for you. And April, tell us about your story. I actually grew up kind of in the urgent care sphere because my mom, she actually was an urgent care physician from the time that I was a little kid all the way until I was about 13 when she opened her primary care. So when I was a kid, I wanted to be all different things. I actually didn't want to be in medicine. So there was a joke in my family that I wanted to be an interior designer, but I called it an interior designer. (laughs) I wanted to be that. And then, you know, of course, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom because I didn't have a stay-at-home mom for a while. But when I got really serious uh, later in high school, I did realize that I wanted to be in medicine and I wanted to be a physician. And actually, I wanted to be a pathologist. I wanted to be a medical examiner. So I didn't want to work with live patients. I actually wanted to work with the deceased. So when I got between my junior and senior year of college, I actually was taking my MCATs and when everybody's applying to medical school and doing all those things, I came down with just a, a little health scare and had 
a little bit of cancer. And so I needed to decide my senior year and after what I was going to do because I wasn't able to apply to medical school. And I could have applied after school, but I just was in this pivotal time in my life where I needed to decide what I was going to do. So I had worked for Nordstrom all throughout college and I was a manager for them for a year and it really instilled my love of customer service. And so after that, I worked for a website managing them for um, about a year and I got married, moved to Houston and knew, okay, now I need to use my degree. And I applied for this job on my college website called Urgent Care for Kids. I drove to World Market one day and I was in the parking lot and I looked up and I said, huh, that's that job I just applied for. And while I was in the parking lot, I got the call from the HR director asking me to interview. And I interviewed the next week and I started and I just moved up gradually from there. And I've been with the company for about six years now. So it's been one of the biggest blessings in my life, but it was my start in healthcare after college. And then I've just stayed with it ever since. That's awesome. Tell us about urgent care for kids. I mean, you obviously are both, you know, super passionate about that. And I think it does take a special kind of person, even just to be, you know, not only in the medical realm, but certainly dealing with kids. So, you know, tell us a little bit about urgent care for kids and what makes you all unique. Well, we have two different business lines. So we have urgent care for kids and virtual care for kids. I'm more on the clinic operation. So I'll talk about that first and I'll let Melissa talk about virtual care for kids. So We do specialize in pediatrics just in children because children are different than adults and they're not just little humans. They really need specialized care. And there's a difference between primary care, urgent care, and an emergency room. So we're really that bridge between your primary care doc and then going to the full emergency room where you're going to spend thousands of dollars. You're going to wait for hours and hours. We're specializing in your common cold and flu, little lacerations, minor broken bones, you know, all the those little viral things that you pick up in elementary schools and daycares, things like that. We're there to help out mom and dad when your pediatrician is closed. And so I'll turn it over to Melissa so she can go over our virtual care line. So much like our urgent care side, we have just this incredible team of pediatricians who are located all across Texas. And we started seeing patients virtually because we live in this world that needs immediacy. And, you know, we've got DoorDash and we've got Amazon and we've got Instacart and all of these things that deliver things for us immediately. But that didn't really exist in healthcare and especially on the pediatric side. And so we started to think about what would it look like for a mom to be able to pick up her smartphone and push a button and see a pediatrician immediately so that her child's not waiting to receive care. And so that, you know, it is difficult for a working parent to leave work and to schedule an appointment, and then you're sitting in a germy waiting room. So we started to think about, well, well, how do we serve those families? And that's where virtual care for kids came to life. And so we've been doing that now for a couple of years, and it's really rewarding to see the families that we get to help through that. Even my own family has benefited from it. So it's certainly right in the line with what we do at Urgent Care for Kids, but just an extension of that. And let's talk a little bit more about telemedicine, just because we're hearing so much about it. And I mean, do you see this as sort of the next frontier in medical care? And, you know, I guess if you think about like with a little kid, like how do you figure out what's wrong with them? I mean, you know, do you really get to the bottom of the issues through telemedicine? That's a great question. And I think it's a really valid question. There are things that are appropriate for telemedicine and there are things that are not. We don't do laceration repairs through 
telemedicine. And that's where it's really amazing that we are founded by an urgent care chain because we can actually, if it is deemed that additional care is needed, we can transfer those patients very seamlessly into the clinic so that they can get additional care. But there is certainly a specific scope of practice that we have in telemedicine. But I think you'd be surprised about how much we can actually treat through telemedicine. And we've been able to not only see these kiddos immediately, but even if a prescription is needed, we can send a prescription to the pharmacy near the parent and these kids aren't having to leave home. So yeah, you're absolutely right to ask that question though. There's certainly things that are more appropriate for urgent care and more appropriate for telemedicine. Well, and I think it's interesting because I've thought a lot about that with, you know, my doctor, even my gynecologist, right? You have questions or something's going on or, you know, and you just need to talk to somebody. And in this day and age, I will say that you can't get anybody on the phone. Mm -hmm. And then if they finally do call you back and you're working and busy and you miss the call, what I'm finding is pushback from doctors where they're saying, well, if they don't have the telemedicine right there, you want to speak to anybody, you have to make an appointment. And I'm thinking to myself, now I got to drive 45 minutes there and back when I just want to know, hey, is this normal? You know, it's interesting. You know, I've often thought, gosh, I'd be happy to pay 50 bucks, but even Mm -hmm. just a phone call with my doctor Mm -hmm. rather than going and having to do the whole appointment. So it definitely is an interesting evolution and certainly for time as well, you know, with people and efficiencies. So April, I kind of want to talk to you. I think you talked, maybe it was on your LinkedIn where you talk about giving patients a seat at the table. You know, we talk a lot about this in this women's movement, you know, giving women a seat at the table and you talk about you know, making your patients feel heard and validated and encouraged. And I thought that was really, really interesting just vis-a-vis, you know, what I do. And I think that, you know, certainly patient advocacy. So I'd love for you just to kind of talk about that and talk about that vis-a-vis, you know, the future of our medical care, because I think in many ways, it seems like the patients are getting less and less and less of a voice and less time. So I'd love for you to just talk about your philosophy with that and what you think the future looks like. Yeah. Well, with insurance reform, there are so many more rules and regulations and, you know, with EMRs and things like that, there's just so much more of putting healthcare in a box. And so it's incumbent upon us as healthcare workers to bust past that and put customer service in healthcare. One of the great things that Nordstrom did for me is just making customer service part of my DNA. And I know that Melissa feels the same way. Before she moved over to telemedicine, she was our VP of customer service. And so customer service touches everything that we do. And so when I say bringing patients to our table and giving them the seat, it means that we're going to have a conversation with you and not at you about your child's health care and what's going to happen with their plan of care. Because nothing is worse than going to a doctor's office and then just looking at you up and down and saying, well, this is what's happening and this is going to be your plan of care and goodbye. And so that's what we really mean is that we're going to give you holistic care from the time that you find our website through you know your prescription and through your follow-up and even if we need to refer you to another, you know, orthopedic surgeon or somebody else, we're going to take care of you and we're going to hold your hand through that. And we're going to talk with you the whole entire time and really be part of your holistic community of providers. And that's really what we're passionate about. Well, and it is interesting. I would say it is unique. You, you rarely hear about any kind of doctor's office or clinic having a customer service person. Like that's just not in the medicine. I was actually having this discussion with my cousin who is a physician. She's a radiologist. And we were talking about 
it's like the only industry that's left where the customer is not treated like a customer. It's like the doctor is treated like the customer. It's flipped. You know, we're still paying for that service. So I think that's super interesting. And I love that philosophy. And I'd love for both of you kind of just if you have any advice for our listeners on how do you advocate, you know, for your own healthcare? You know, how do you ask those questions and get that seat at the table? You know, make sure that you're heard, you know, wherever you are. Melissa, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think for our patients, on the patient side, being on the patient side, and I think April has a lot of insight into this, having been a patient so many times, we absolutely have a voice. You just have to use it. There are people out there that will listen, but you have to speak up. I think a lot of times we have this mentality about healthcare that there isn't a place for that and that we won't be heard. But there are people like April and myself in the healthcare industry who want to listen and who want that feedback and who could really improve their service based on your feedback. So my advice would be to just speak up. I know that's pretty simple, but it really does move the needle. Yeah. And do you have anything else? Yeah. And my advice really is two things. If you have healthcare benefits, which I hope you do, really understand your benefits. Take the time Mm -hmm. to go through your plan with somebody who administers your plan or who understands that plan and understand what all goes into it. Understand, you know, what your allowed amounts are, what your co-pays cover, your deductibles, if there's co-insurance involved. Understand what all is involved in that and get educated about what insurance covers because that's the biggest beast of burden, Mm -hmm. I feel like people who are going to healthcare providers encounter. And the second thing is just ask a lot of questions. You are paying for that healthcare visit, so you're going to need to take some of that healthcare provider's time. Ask questions. Don't just let them come in there and tell you what's what and leave. It's sometimes hard to do. You know, it's intimidating sometimes because they kind of come blowing in and this and this, and they blow out as you're sort of processing to do that. So having the confidence to say, wait a minute, I'm processing this, I think is important. As we kind of close up, I want to just ask you about being women in leadership in the healthcare industry. And if you've faced any particular challenges as a woman, or do you see sort of there being a change in women in leadership in these roles? I'll take this one first. I think that there are challenges being a woman in leadership. I think that especially Melissa and I are young women in leadership. And sometimes people see us come in and they initially because of our looks, do not think that we are the leader. And so sometimes we have to be a little bit more assertive because we have to assert ourselves as the leader. And so there's that challenge. And sometimes we face other challenges when we are in a group of men just trying to make our voice heard when we're saying the exact same thing that they're saying just in a euphemism. So yeah, there are challenges. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, I would say that one thing that's really helped me a lot in that is having resilience. And I think you think that the one degree of separation that's going to separate you from somebody else is going to be, you know, you will get knocked down being a woman in leadership. It's not about that you get up, it's how quickly you get up. You have to be resilient and you have to know and fight for what you know is right. And also, I think it's important to have a community of women. April and I joke that we are each other's work wives. (laughs) And Uh we really 
you know, supported each other. And I think it's important to have that. And when I came on with Urgent Care for Kids, there was not a seat for me at the table, but April, she didn't wait for somebody to notice me or invite me to the table. She went out and found a chair and drug it up to the table for me. And I think having that community and supporting each other is just huge. Yes, absolutely. Well, and speaking of resilience, am I correct that you are nine months pregnant, Melissa? I am. <laughs> so, so if you were to click off really fast, we would know why, right? Yes. Oh, the podcast. <laughs> she is measuring at about eight and a half pounds already. Wow. So I would imagine she'll be early. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, congratulations. That also adds an extra layer of just, you know, challenge and figuring out how to manage and get balance in your work and family life. So yes, um, definitely. But that's amazing. Well, as we close up, I would love to do just our little speed round. So we get to know a little bit more about you personally. So you can just answer in like one word or one sentence answer and you can just kind of trade off as you go. So what's your morning routine? I'll take this one. I'm an early riser. I like to get up before the rest of the world. That's good because you're going to be doing a lot of that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I typically like to read and pray and just kind of set my mind right for the day and kind of lay out exactly what my priorities are for the day. So yeah, that's typically what I do. Awesome. How about you, April? So my morning routine, I wake up at the exact same time every single morning and I get in the shower, get ready, and then I wake my little girl Harper up and I take her actually to my parents' house because they do daycare for me. And then I come back home to my home office and I start working. And so what are you currently reading or listening to? I listen to a lot of podcasts and my favorite podcast, Melissa's going to laugh at me, is My Favorite Murder. So you guys know I I told you I was going to be a pathologist. Right, exactly. (laughs) Okay, well, makes sense. It's all tying together here. (laughs) And how about you, Melissa? What are you reading or listening to? What to expect when you're expecting, maybe? (laughs) I should be reading that, but right now I'm reading No Limits by John Maxwell. Really great book so far. Oh, I've heard great things about that. I've not read that yet. And what's one thing you can't live without? I mentioned delivery services. (laughs) That is definitely one thing I could not live without. And April knows this. I love Amazon, DoorDash, Instacart, anything that will deliver to my house. I am a huge fan of. Yes, I say Instacart saved my marriage because we both hate (laughs) grocery shopping. And so it was like the battle of the wills of who had to go grocery shop. How about you, April? Starbucks. I could not live without Starbucks. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I think you are in good company with many, many, many people out there. Well, thank you all so much. I really appreciate y'all taking time to be on the show. You know, we'll be watching what y'all do next. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.